For today's lesson, we'll be talking about how to work with employees, partners, contractors, all things people. <laughs> Did I get that right, babe? You got that right. Let's do this. So here's a review that we got a couple weeks ago. It says, I love that this podcast is being made and the purpose and the intention of it all. Justin definitely is very straight to the point. What? what? No. What she, no. I love this part. Makes me kind of nervous. But all in all, <laughs> if you lay the groundwork for the direction you want to take and want ideas on how to take it further, this is where you should be. That's right. In previous episodes, the methods of establishing groundwork were discussed along with it being on their website. It's freebies. This is valuable to the audience, especially those who have limiting beliefs like business owners do at times with with the ability to basically tap into Justin's mindset. It's like, you got this. You can do this. He can't necessarily make the money for us, but can guide us in that direction. But she adds this, which I agree. This is a really important concept that we get a lot of questions on. She says, I would like to see a lot more steps on how to do things that further the path we want to be on. Like, where do you go to find employees or people who are interested in doing the work? I love it, Amorelise. Thank you for the review, first of all. And if you have not left us a review yet, please do so. That would mean the world to us. So thank you very much. And it also gives us great feedback because we've hired, worked with, trained so many people that there are sometimes things that we don't think too much about. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a deep dive and talk more about this, how Mm -hmm. we work with people, how we hire, how we find, how we train, how we partner all the things people. Because it is people that will make you rich. There's all kinds of things that make you rich, but I don't know many people who have gotten rich without people. Yes. Working with people is huge. Okay, so first off, I want to give some context here before we dive into how to find, hire, train people, employees, work with partners. Something that you guys will hear from us is we don't know everything. And I think that's important. Yes. People usually who know everything don't do anything. Jack of all trades is a master of none type thing, right? Something I think like it's that. more like people are waiting because they're nervous or there's some apprehension. So they're waiting to know everything before they do something. But there is no way to know everything if you've never mm. done anything. And so you have to step into that spot that you're not totally comfortable with to actually be the person that you think you should be before you've even done anything to get there. So you do have to step into it. She's so wise. So with that said, we're not going to go into every little nuanced detail because the truth is I don't know every little nuanced detail of everything. When I want to work with someone, I figure out how to work with them. And then I reach out to our accountant and I say, okay, this, we're working with this person. We're paying them this. Figure out how to get them paid. Or, or I tell are you or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we're not this big corporation who has an HR department who has the very strict rules on how to do this and this and this. We are... Business owners who have hired a lot of different people, employees, contractors, partners, and we'll share some of the things we've learned along the way. I was kind of thinking of this analogy right before this podcast of when I met this hot babe who's sitting next to me. (laughs) Dang, I want the, oh man, I want this girl to be in my life forever. But the truth is I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted to have that relationship, but I didn't know necessarily the legalities of it. I mean, I know that there's someone who has to have been given approval to marry you. And then there's some certificate that you have to file with somebody to prove that it's official. Like, I didn't know all that. I didn't know how do you buy a house to get, like, what are all those rules? But I knew I wanted to get married. And from there, I was able to figure out how to make the rest work or reach out to the people who could help me make that work. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. When you hire and work with people, it means just that. It means that you want to work with them. You think there's a benefit to working together. You don't have to know everything. That's what attorneys and accountants and Google are for. 
<laughs> right? Yep. Okay, Justin. So let's start with hiring. How would you go about hiring someone for your business? Easy. That's a very easy, uh, not loaded <laughs> at all question. <laughs> Shoot it to me straight. So we have hired many, many people throughout our tenure, <laughs> throughout the last 20 years, right? Mm -hmm, right. So I think let's just go through and highlight a few of them. Okay. We had our satellite dish business. The first person I think we hired was my brother. Yeah. Remember we'd come over and eat our sandwiches and <laughs> they'll start thought, how do you like find people to hire? What are all some of the different people that we've worked with? We've worked with family. It's not always recommended, but I think there's pros and cons to everything. So you could find the right person. I feel, I feel like when people begin the hiring process, if they haven't had a lot of experience with it, you, they usually kind of start within their circle of comfort. I was talking to my friend. My friend's really cool, so I think we could really work well together. I was talking to my family member, and I trust them. And it feels good to talk to them. It's not quite as scary, so we should go into business together. And sometimes that works well, and sometimes it's really hard because you don't really have a working relationship. Now, if you've had more experience hiring, then sometimes people have more of a formal process of hiring where they take resumes and they take these tests and they assess all these different things. And so there really is a range of how much of experience have I had and how much do I know about hiring? There's a organic fly by the seat of your pants approach. And then there's one where you really get in there and you're taking these personality tests and doing these assessments and working together before you take that final leap. And so we're going to kind of talk about the range in there. We've done all of them. Which one do I do the most? <laughs> we really started off by just going, okay, you look great. You're a friend. We trust you. Let's just do this. It's going to work amazingly. And we've learned a lot along the way on how to be much smarter and how to see different things that will work together, how to test people out, how to set up things to where if it doesn't work out, there's an easier way out. We've gotten in some great situations. We've gotten in some hard situations. And every experience has made us just a little better at doing this. I'm kind of the point where it's not, to me, some people say, don't work with friends and family. And some people, that's mainly where they're focused. I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong to that. But it's all about how you structure it. Mm -hmm. Literally right now, okay, I won't, I can't mention details because they're still at their job. But there might be a family member that I'm in the process of talking to about going into business together. But I feel like I'm just way smarter now in the approach to do that. Where we both have ourselves covered, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So we have hired people from job boards, like when we started our satellite dish business from college job boards, because there were a lot of colleges around there. Mm -hmm. And we found a lot of great talent of people that were hungry and wanted to work for not very expensive. Some of the best people we ever worked with, like Vanessa, we put a post on Craigslist and we got a ton of resumes. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. So we went through like a hundred resumes, weeded it down to the top 10 sent them emails with follow-up questions. And I think we got on calls with two or three, or we just get on call with Vanessa and we liked her so much that I went and met with her at Starbucks and she definitely stood out amongst them. And the interesting thing is she stood out, but it wasn't like she had this big college. I don't think she was even a college graduate, right? She didn't have a ton of experience in it. And it wasn't like she had exactly what we needed, but she had an open mind and experience and was great to talk to. And it seemed like there was potential there. And whenever I hire someone, some people feel like they need to hire someone that knows everything about the job that they can do perfectly. And I don't buy into that camp. I also don't buy into the camp of it doesn't matter if they have any experience at all, just train them from the ground up because that will be a work. And you will essentially stop everything you're doing to train this person for a very long time. And if it doesn't go well, then you just spent a lot of time training someone who now doesn't work for you anymore. So other ways, like what are some of the main places to post jobs right now? Or you have different websites like Indeed, 
Indeed, or, ZipRecruiter. Yeah. We really have enjoyed Indeed, I feel like. We haven't used it in a while, just because I feel like the people that we've worked with recently have been through connections and stuff mm -hmm. like that. We've been using a lot of independent contractors as well, because sometimes when you're starting a business or you want to hire people out, Appreciate. it's a lot to take on a person full time because you now have to give them stuff to do and you have to manage it and keep track of it. And so sometimes you're like, I just need a little something. So when we created Millionaire University, for example, I was working on the website, but there were certain things I couldn't do. So we would go on Upwork mm -hmm. and look for specific qualifications of jobs that needed to be done in that moment. And then it was just done. So it's a great way to have people do little things that are out of your skill set, but then also test people out. And then when you find someone, be like, hey, you know, how's your job? What are your needs? Do you want to work with us? Let's make this longer because I've enjoyed this working experience with you. Let's make this more permanent. And Upwork is super easy because you don't have to worry about any of the paperwork. You don't have to worry about, is this person a contractor or a W-2 employee? You don't have to go through the interview process. You just look at reviews. You see if you like them. You give them a job. If you like what they did, then you give them more jobs. And sometimes you may not work with them in the future at all. You just have them in your back pocket of like, oh, I need this specific thing. I have this great person. And you just reach out to them as needed. I love that because I'm not responsible for you and your livelihood. I just have this specific thing I need. You're great at it. And let's work together from time to time. And then I think about other people that we've worked with who have been great. Like Kyle was another amazing individual. And we actually found a company to do some work for us. And... We just really enjoyed working with him. I think they were going to revamp our website. Yeah. We just thought he was a great guy. and I mean, if we're being honest, it didn't seem like he was really valued in his company. He wasn't being paid a whole yeah, lot. And yeah. we enjoyed working with him. And we were like, this is a valuable person that yeah. we enjoy talking to, has done great work. Like, let's pull him on. Because I think he would have stayed in that company and done a lot less than he did with no, us. No, he really grew with us. And it, it was a really a good thing. But if you if you currently have employees, obviously your internal network, we've hired a lot of people from our internal network, like mm -hmm. Vanessa's cousin came and worked with us and stuff like that. So once you get the machine going, you can really get some good people. Yeah. Once you have a social media presence, you know, people will post it on their Instagram or their different social platforms. Sometimes people will talk about it in their forums. They'll share it on their podcast. Once you have people who like what you are doing connected to your vision, they want to work with you. They want to be part of that energy. They want to be part of growing that. And so sometimes your best employees and a lot of our best employees or partners have been people who have followed us, learned from us, and then worked with us. You can post something on social media, letting people know what you're looking for. We found people that way. There's really no right or wrong answer. I mean, Brian Guerin, who is our newest team member slash partner contractor, <laughs> there's lots of titles he could have. I heard him on someone else's podcast. And we interviewed him on our podcast. We talked a couple times after that about different things. And we just really jived and connected. And as we got talking, I thought, oh, I think maybe Brian could be a fit. We talked some more and there you go. There's also some really simple ways of hiring people. I mean, I hired Instacart. They're awesome. They bring me my groceries every single week. I have a system there. I've hired Amazon to bring me all mm -hmm. kinds of different yes. things. I have hired people on TaskRabbit mm -hmm. and Thumbtack. And... I have people I find on there and they're just in my back pocket. And we've gone to church boards sometimes, yep. church forums, and yep. been like, we want someone we trust in our home to clean our house or maybe do some babysitting. And so sometimes just the groups that you're involved in and your community can have some good access to people that you trust that maybe you're going to have in your home or doing more personal things. With House Flipping HQ, with our real estate education business, a lot of the people that we worked on, they were clients of ours, essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bill, who bought the business from us, was... At one point, a client. Mm -hmm. 
So Andy, who we worked with more at the beginning as one of our main coaches. Oh, I met Andy through Steven, my brother, who we trained how to do real estate investing. He went to a seminar in Utah. He met Andy and then they connected and Steven introduced us essentially. Mm-hmm. Andy and I really hit it off and he ended up being one of our main partners, coaches, contractors, you can call him. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't like an employee per se, but that was a great relationship. And then from there, we brought on other coaches that were clients of ours who did really well in the program. Mm-hmm. And we hired people from the program. So if you have a following, if you have an email list, if you have a podcast, you can mention that you're looking for people. People might reach out. What we're trying to say here is there's no exact way. There's different approaches you can take. There's different places you can go to find people. But at the end of the day, it's just finding someone, talking to them and seeing if it's the right fit. Let's say you just want to hire someone and you've never hired anyone before. Where would someone start in that situation if they're not talking to their network? Like, what would I do today? I think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to accomplish anything basically that can be done on Upwork, I would go to Upwork. Okay, so test out some people there. Yeah. Okay. But once again, it depends what you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to hire a salesperson, then you've got to go places where salespeople are. If I want to eat salmon, I'm not going to go on land if I want to find a fish, right? Like you've got to go places where what you're looking for is hanging out. But having that been said, if you want to hire a general administrative person that works with you full time, an assistant, someone who does a bunch of different tasks and you don't have anyone in your general network that you can think of, for me personally, I think I would start with Indeed. I would post on Indeed, maybe check out a couple different job boards. I would Google where the best places to post things. You can look at other job postings to see how people are communicating this job. So that kind of gives you some ideas, kind of mimic some of the things they say. If you have a good social media following, I would post something on there. Go to Indeed. Yeah, just what you said. I would look at what other people posted Uh, something that's kind of similar to yours, but also think about just what you want to say. In the past, there have been times when we've way overthought like job postings, just post what you want to post and then let people apply and see who reaches out and go from there. Okay, so someone, you post this job and then people reach out, they send in their resume. How do you go about filtering through resumes? How do you go about interviewing? Well, depending on how many you get, what we did, we just basically, we had like a hundred. I don't know why, we got so many that one, that time, right? Mm -hmm. It must have been the right time, the right place, the right something. But my mind always goes back to Vanessa because that was your typical, let's put a post out, let's see what we can find. If you only get 10, 20, that's fine too. We went through them and some of them couldn't even spell, right? Some of them like couldn't even understand what they were saying. You would just read it and you're like, okay, this is not good. So (laughs) immediately we just eliminated those. Mm -hmm. So I think we pretty easily cut it down to 10 people. Some of the people just didn't have the skills that we were looking for. Some of the people clearly didn't even read our job posting because their (laughs) resume had nothing to do with what we were looking for. So we easily cut it down to 10 people. We asked those 10 people questions via email. And then we hopped on with two or three. Vanessa sounded the strongest. I went and met with her at Starbucks and I hired her. And I remember she'll go back and tell the story. She's like, yeah, I was crazy. This guy meeting me at Starbucks. I didn't know if it was a scam. I didn't know what was going on. And she worked out of her house, we worked out of our house, and it went great. There have been other times where we've done interviews where we interview, like on Zoom, multiple people at once. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I totally love that, but it can work if you go about it the right way. Yeah, you can do group interviews, especially if you're hiring someone who will be over groups or just kind of see the group dynamic, but it really kind of depends on what you're looking for. 
okay, so you have some resumes, you've done some calls, you've got some appointments set up. How do you go about finding the right questions to ask them? Or what are the things that you ask them? Or how do you figure out someone is just not a psychopath? Or if they're lazy, or if they're entitled, or if they're going to be difficult. How do you know someone's going to be a benefit to your business? It's going to be a win-win situation and not a big pain in the butt. Here's the thing. As far as psychopath goes, there's no guarantees. We've had many of those as well. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to have someone like in your home, you have that kind of stuff. You can do background checks. It just depends how deep you want to go. I would definitely check out their social medias and stuff like that. You can call their references. You can yes, do some personality tests. You can do some assessments. It really depends on how deep you want to get into it. This is the way I look at it. At the end of the day, a lot of times people are looking for their soulmate when they want to hire someone. And the truth is, like, it just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that usually in life. And mm -hmm. it definitely doesn't work like that when hiring someone. I would find someone that you feel like you jive with. It seems like they're in the right situation. And then to me, it's all about structuring the agreement in the right way, where no matter what, it, it kind of works out. So when I think of Kyle and Vanessa and some of the people that it's worked out with, and even with Brian, we've typically started it in a way where it's part-time for a few weeks. Now we're kind of getting into the training. We're transitioning a little bit here with this. But the truth is, for most people, when you start training someone, that can be a full-time job. If they're coming on full-time and you're trying to train them on everything under the sun, that can be a full-time job. So I'll usually try to have a transition process where either they still have their other job or if they don't have a job, it's fine because for a couple of weeks, okay, we're going to start you off at 10 hours the first week. Then we're going to go to 15 or 20, then 30. So with Brian, kind of our agreement is we're going to start him off at 20 hours a week and then we're going to over time, see how it goes and try to transition into full time. He doesn't risk a lot. We're going to compensate him with money and also with a little bit of stock. But if it doesn't work out, then no harm, no foul. He goes back to continuing to work with his clients and his agency and, and everything he's doing. And we continue to find the right fit for us. I think it's important to remember that every person you hire is a risk. We have never had yes, a perfect exactly. employee. We have never been perfect business owners. It's usually kind of come down to do we jive? Do we work well together? Can we communicate? But most importantly, are they willing to take feedback and are they willing to grow in their role? A hundred percent. And I love that. I'm more of a ready fire aim type person. You never really know unless you try it out. So you want to do some things at the beginning to kind of try to make sure that you think you have the right person, the right fit. But at the end of the day, like you don't really know until you work together. So once again, people are always trying to find the perfect person and it doesn't really exist. You got to get going. You got to work together. It's communication, really. A lot of times people are like, how did you find Vanessa or Kyle or some of the different people that we've worked really well with? Well, it wasn't just finding them. It was figuring out how to work together in the right way that works for everyone. I agree because if you're in the mindset that you're just looking for the perfect person and you find them, I'm going to tell your future. A few months down the road, we're going to talk to you and be like, hey, how's that new hire going? Like, how, how's that working in your company? And you're going to say, well, it's pretty good. And you'll have some complaints and you'll list them off. I'm bothered by this, 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 and this. And then we're going to say, oh, well, did you talk to him about that? Are you working with yes. him on that? Really what this means is when I'm looking for someone to come in and solve all my problems, they're uncomfortable and they don't want to know and acknowledge that as a business owner, you will be having conversations with them regularly and having confrontation with them in a healthy way. 
One of Justin's favorite thing to do when hiring someone is to have confrontation with them as soon as possible. Yep. <laughs> is to have them slip up in some way where he can get them over the hump that we will be doing this regularly. We don't want to. We'd prefer not to have to do any of it because it's not enjoyable. We just want you to be aware that, yes, we are the boss, so we have to make the decisions. The buck stops here. Someone's got to lead it. You may not like how we do it sometimes. We may correct even though it may be the right thing to do or maybe it's not. We just have to be the decision maker. And so get used to taking our feedback because it just has to be that way. And you mentioned confrontation, but the truth is it's only confrontation if the person doesn't take it well. I say confrontation because some people get so uncomfortable with this. Totally. They are so stagnating. Right. You have to be willing. I guess confront. You have to be willing to confront You have confront to be able to confront the issue. It doesn't mean like a big blow up or big argument. No. It means there's something going on and we have this good relationship and we're kind of like friends and I want to be nice to you, but I have something to tell you and I don't want to do it because it's really uncomfortable. I don't want to confront this. And then the business is stagnant. Well, they say feedback that's unsolicited is seen as criticism. Mm-hmm. And most people can't take criticism And even more people can't give criticism. Hard to take, hard to give. So to be able to do that up front early on is a beautiful thing. I'm trying to remember the first time I gave Kyle like some criticism. I remember it was uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, I'm so glad we did that Mm -hmm. because now we can just move forward. It wasn't criticism. It was feedback. And and you have to. That's a constant feedback loop. If you're like ROTI, return on time invested, if you're willing and able to invest in people, It will change your life. It will. And I look back at these people that we have hired and there have been some challenging ones and there have been some people that are very near and dear to my heart because Mm -hmm. we worked hard together. We created this beautiful thing. We actually just went to lunch with Vanessa not too long ago and then starting Millionaire University, I reached out to Kyle and I was just like, thank you for being a part of our life. You guys are incredible people. I always think of them with such high regard. And so it can be a beautiful thing, but it can also be really hard and challenging. And it's, it's good to remember too, when you hire someone, they're not going to come in and just know exactly what to do. And they're going to be super helpful the first day. Sometimes that happens, but a lot of times it's good to tell yourself, Hey, it's going to take about 90 days before this yeah. person is actually helping more than they're, they're taking at this moment. Cause it takes time to train to get in that moment, to get on the same vision, to get going in the right direction. And so it does take time and effort and focus sometimes when you hire someone to really get them on the same page with you. So back to that, one of the things I would try to do if and when it makes sense is try to have them start out on a part-time basis with a transition period, unless you just want them part-time and that works for them. But one of the other big things that we've always done is you want to try to have something that they can always do when you don't have something that you're able to train them on, or you don't have time to train them on something. Mm -hmm. Because another major problem that can come up is you're doing your thing, you hire someone because you need help because you don't have enough time to do everything. And then all of a sudden they need all your attention and then you're not getting your thing done and they're not getting their thing done and you get frustrated and then you think it's their fault and you think they're not any good or don't know what they're doing. Or they're waiting on you because they don't know what to do next or they're not quite sure. They're like, I've done everything. What do you want me to do? You're not willing to let go of anything. Uh, Too much control and you want help, but you're not willing to train someone else because you're the only one who can do it the right way. So with everyone we've ever hired or brought on, there was always something that they could do that could just take an indefinite amount of time. If you're doing blogs and you want someone to help you do keyword research and they're writing blog posts and maybe you have some other things that you want them to do as well, but it's here's something that you can always be doing when you don't have anything to do. Here's something beneficial that we would love to grow. Takes a lot of time. It's ongoing. Do this as we train you on this and then this and then this. And then some roles, maybe you can start right away because it might be very simple. It's like you might already know, here's a list of people to call. You're a salesperson. Go down the list, call the people, follow Mm -hmm. up. And then 
over time you can continue to train because you say, well, well, it didn't go well and you get feedback and stuff like that. But roles like that might be a little easier to get going on. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when you're first starting your business, you want to hire someone who's kind of like an assistant type role and they can do a lot of different things, but you don't want to throw everything at them all at once. And it's just impossible to train someone on everything overnight, basically. What about retention? One of the most costly things in a business is losing people because mm -hmm. you take a lot of time to find, hire, train. Like you said, it usually takes anywhere from 30, 60, 90 days until they're actually doing more things beneficial for the business than it took to put into them. Yeah, you're in investing time, money, attention into them. And if they don't last very long, I mean, slow to hire, quick to fire, right? Like if mm -hmm. it's not the right fit, then call it what it is. I was going to say there's also a cost of keeping someone who is Absolutely. toxic to the business. Absolutely. But we have, have we not lost some people that we didn't yes. want to lose? Yep. We had this person when we had been in our satellite business almost... She was kind of later in the satellite dish business, yeah. right? Yep. And we were paying her a whopping $8 per hour. <laughs> she was working out of our house, right? This our was home like office. 18 years. This was a long, 17 years this ago. Was a long time ago. But I just remember thinking, man, we are getting a steal with her. Mm -hmm. The goal in my mind was to pay someone as little as possible and squeeze as much of them out as you can. Uh -huh. <laughs> it sounds horrible like saying it now, right? But we all do it. Totally. I wasn't like trying to take advantage of anyone, but I was like, this is great. She's working for so little minimum wage and she's doing a great job and then what happened and then she found a better job that would pay her better and left and it was a we, whopping ten dollars an hour and we lost her and we were so bummed because i was so bummed because i remember feeling so stressed because we had little kids and i was just like now i have to do all her stuff and mine and i remember us trying to get we're like oh we'll pay you ten dollars an hour and she's like oh, no, I've already talked to them and they're counting on me and I've committed to it. And she was already there in her mind mm -hmm. and there was nothing we could do. Hindsight, I would have given her 12. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do that. Now, when we hired Vanessa, and actually I was listening to a podcast this morning that was talking about this as well, you want to paint the future vision for them. Not only with the company, but what's possible with them. Everybody wants to know what their future holds. Yeah, they're human beings. They want to be building. They want to be growing. They want to be progressing. Where is this going to take me? Is it going to reach my potential? Do they care about me? Am I involved in something I care about? What does this mean? So with Vanessa, I think we started her out actually close to minimum wage. But we said after you're with us for one month, you go up. And then after two or three months, you go up another dollar. And then after six months, you go up a little more. After a year, you go up a little more. And this is all based on assuming that you do a good job. If you get fired, if you quit, obviously you don't get to those levels. It's all based on their performance. It basically sets you up as here's where we're willing to start, but if it's not working, I have something to help motivate you because I'm not willing to overpay what you're not willing to put in. But in her mind, she knew where she was going to get soon. I think even more important than compensation is people want to know that they're progressing. Mm -hmm. And they're valued. Yes. The podcast I was listening to this morning was talking about these engineers who they kept having this big turnover in this company and they couldn't understand why. So they implemented a system. When the people came on, they said, okay, this is what you should expect after three months, after six months, after a year, because they were bringing on junior developers. And they were like, this is the compensation you should expect, assuming that you do the things that we think you can do. And their retention rate just went through the roof. 
is they painted that future for them. Mm -hmm. They told them what was possible. They told them the thing that they planned on doing anyway, so why not tell them? Why not bring them in on that? So often we want to keep employees, partners, or different people out of the loop. And I guess there's some time and place where that makes sense. If people want to know the vision, they want to be a part of it. They want to know what's in it for them, what their vision is, what their future looks like. People want to pay their bills. They want to take care of their families. They want to go on vacations. They want to know, what can I do with what I'm making with you? And what's it going to lead into? Important. Should we talk about letting go? Yes. (laughs) Some people struggle so much with letting go. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should just completely, like, your business is your baby. And you don't just want to overnight, like, hand that to someone else and assume they're going to run with it. And it's going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Having that been said, so many people really struggle with letting someone else do some of their job. I mean, not long ago, we talked with Lenny, and he was struggling with basic things like letting people deliver scooters and build jewelry. And once again, we're not picking on Lenny. I'm grateful that he came on, was vulnerable, and helped us see ourselves. But it's very common. Things like that you should not have a hard time letting go of. I would say you are really good at letting go of those things. I am much more of like a, okay... Does this make sense? What am I going to lose? What am I going to... You can have a scarcity mindset and it's like a, what are you going to take from me and how much you want? And people look at it as you're losing something. I am paying this per month or per day or for this situation and they only see it as a loss. Therefore, it ends up being kind of a tense, tight relationship and there's not a lot of expansion. When you see it as, I hire someone and if I pay them this much, they should make me double, five, 10 times the amount of what it costs me to hire them. And so having those numbers in your head and seeing it for what it is allows you to take that risk and to actually grow in that. Otherwise, you're pretty stagnant. And that's what we talked about with Lenny. You're losing money right now. You're not losing money by hiring someone. They are making you money. And with most employees or partners, like that should be the case. They should be making you money. There's also something I like to call the 80% rule. Often we think, oh, this person can't do it as good as me. Well, maybe not yet because you haven't given them the chance. But if they can do it 80% as well as you and you hire two people, you're at 160%. Like you've already outperformed yourself. You've worked your way out of a job, which number one, will give you more time to do the things you love and or allow you the opportunity to actually bring your head out of the sand and to continue to grow your business and see the things that you need to focus on. Also, what I found is at first you think they can't do it as well as you. And then what you find is since you're juggling all kinds of balls or plates or whatever the analogy is, when you allow someone to focus on one thing in their lane, they actually often get a lot better than you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about empowerment and how we instilled the no questions asked rule. (laughs) People always think I'm a hard butt for this, but... It's been amazing. (laughs) Justin's really good at empowering people because a lot of times when you work for someone, you're looking at them to go, am I performing for you well? Am I doing a good job? Do you like what I'm doing? And so there's some hesitancy. And so you'll give them a job and you'll say, okay, do this. And they'll be like, well, how do you like it? What do you want to look like? Is this color right? Is this right? Is this? And they get really nervous thinking the boss is going to be mad and they're going to fire me. And yes, sometimes that is the case with some people. But our take has more been, we don't want to have to think about all those details. We don't want to have to figure all that. We don't want to do the brain work. We are hiring you to come in with your brain and figure it out. We understand you don't have the experience. You may not know what we know right now, but we want you to learn it. And then we want you to know more. We want you to do most of the brain work, bring it to us for a few things. We want to trust you. We want to empower you. Yes, please take this and run with it. 
And the crazy thing is, is as you empower other people, you let them make decisions on their own. They believe in themselves. And even more importantly, they believe that you believe in them. And then they can do even more on their own. Mm -hmm. So start it off small. I'm not saying you have to let them do everything overnight all at once with Vanessa. We built it up. At the beginning, it was, what color should we paint these walls? I'm like, what color do you think we should paint these walls? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, you tell me. So I'd make her tell me. And then I would try every time possible. My goal was to say, okay, do it. Every time I said do it, it was this thing solidified in her. She could now do that thing on her own. And then it was things like lock boxes and what should we list the house at? And what do you think we should list the house at? Like, what do you think we should do here? And bit by bit, she was able to make all these decisions. Mm-hmm. And where there was a hole, I would give her feedback. And there have been times where we've hired people and we just don't want to have to do it or think about it in like an avoidance type way where we just go, okay, you're there. Great. Handle it. Go. And then a few months down the road, we've paid all this money and nothing has happened. Who knows what they're doing? There's no accountability. So having accountability and also empowerment allows you to grow together because you can't avoid, but you also don't want to micromanage. So finding that balance is important. And you've probably heard the analogy, the monkey on your back. A lot of times people will come to you, what we call like a monkey on their back or a problem. And they want to hand you that monkey. Don't let them hand you the monkey. You can give them feedback. You can talk them through it. But at the end of the day, make sure they take that problem with them. Yes. And sometimes as business owners, like you have this ego and you want to be the one to answer the problems because you're the business owner. You should know the answer. So it takes a courageous person to say, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think we should do? And give that back to them. Because sometimes we're like, well, I'm the business owner. Give me all the monkeys. And then before they know it, The business isn't going anywhere. Everybody's frustrated because the business owner is taking too much on. And you don't need to be insanely ridiculous about it. If you barely hired someone and they ask you, what's your email? Like, what do you think my email? Like, you know, you don't (laughs) get crazy about it. But there comes a time and a place where you've got to empower them. You've got to let them think for themselves. Otherwise, it's two or three or four people. Sometimes the more people you hire, it's like this committee of people who no one's really making a decision. No one's really has their lane. And that's when businesses fail. That's when you start spending a lot of money and getting less done and it just doesn't work. Another thing too is when people make their own decisions, they can't blame you. So when you give that decision back to them and they make it, they're not blaming their boss for things that are happening. They're like, we did this as a team. I'm a valuable member. I made this decision. And so they get the reward from it. And they also don't have to blame their boss and then end up leaving you because it's your fault. Things aren't working. It's like, okay, I'm willing to learn. This was my choice. We did this together. And they're more integrated into the company's vision. They're more invested. They're more invested. They have ownership. Mm-hmm. It'll be way different. They will start to pull the company versus you trying to push them. And the cool thing is then they add more value, which means you can compensate them more, which means they're even more motivated. Let's talk about contracts, agreements of understanding, working with high-level people, partnerships. Which I think also plays into compensation, just basically structuring agreements. So what do you think about contracts, Tara? Are contracts important? Do we do contracts? Are we good at contracts? (laughs) We had to learn this one the hard way because we thought, I trust myself. I'm a hard worker. I'm willing to put in what I think I'm going to put in and other people are going to do the same. But sometimes when you're running a business, especially when you're hiring people, it's your baby and they might not love your baby as much as you do. And then sometimes you'll hire even partners who are just different and it doesn't work well or have different expectations. And If something is not written down, just even human nature is to forget agreements and numbers and things that were agreed upon very clearly can be very easily forgotten with the day-to-day tasks. And so contracts, agreements, verbal understandings, written understandings, lawyers, wonderful, wonderful things. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I, I do want to give a caveat here. We typically have not used too many contracts. Once again, some people can get analysis paralysis. They want everything spelled out perfectly and mm -hmm. And they just never get to the point where they hire anyone because they're always afraid of what if this and that, what, what could happen. So for me, what I like to do, and I'll just give Brian, for example, because he's the most, the person that we most recently brought on or partnering with or teaming up with, if you will. We had conversations, we had some discussions, we talked about possibly working together, felt like there was a fit. And then we talked about some of the possible scenarios. And I essentially one day sent him a text and I Pitch, hey, what if we try this? What if we did this? And he was interested. So then we got on a call. We talked about it some more. From that text, he asked if he could see more of our, our vision, our business plan, which I talked about in the last episode. So I shared that with him. I wrote up a bunch of things. I wrote our vision, and then I also wrote the vision for him and some of the things I could see him doing. So after that, we got on another call. We talked through some things. He was even more interested. He said, let me think through it. Give me the night to sleep on it. And then we got another call literally like a couple days ago. So what I did after that call is I wrote down everything in an email that I felt like we had agreed to just because I wanted to be 100% sure. Not to mention, I also recorded both of the calls that we had. And that was for purposes of being able to use it on the podcast. But what I found is doing that also helps if you ever need any clarification for any ambiguity or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you need to record every single call, but it, it is helpful because there have been many times where I've gone through and I've referred to calls and emails. And even I was like, oh, I forgot that we talked about that. Like Tara mentioned, it is crazy how quickly we forget what mm -hmm. we agreed to. To very important detail, financial agreements and how things work. And it can go out the window kind of quick. So I wrote him this email kind of explaining what I felt like we agreed to. This is how much you get paid. This is how you earn equity. This is, I just outlined all kinds of scenarios of everything that I felt like could possibly happen or could come up. And I say everything, but it wasn't that long of an email, but it wasn't super short either. Mm -hmm. Our agreement was start you off as a 1099 contractor. Honestly, I don't really know where it goes from there other than the fact that I'll talk to our attorney that we recently have, which we haven't really used attorneys too much in the past, mm -hmm. but we have because we've made some contracts that haven't been that good or we didn't make contracts and that kind of bit us in the butt a little bit. So in like a month or two, if and when assuming that we continue to work well together, then we'll kind of solidify it even more with a contract from our attorney. We still want to have to pay a few hundred bucks for a contract that just in case, like it doesn't totally work out and time and all that as well that will go into that. And then I'll also consult my attorney and say, okay, so how do we do this? In a way, it's kind of like a hybrid employee contractor slash partner. Yeah, but basically I'll talk to my attorney and we'll write something up and then we'll figure out the best way to structure it. Yep, talk to your accountant. They know all about that. So let's talk a little bit about equity and all we'll get into with equity is basically this. Once upon a time, we started the company with some partners and we basically said, okay, everybody gets equity, equal equity. So we paid said partners and we gave them equity and hindsight, that was a mistake. We were more the investing people and then just kind of gave free reign to go do. What we should have done, and even as I'm considering starting another business with this other person that I can't mention, the way that we'll go about it is we will own 100% of the company up front because we will be the ones putting up some of the money, and then they will vest based off of performance. They will be able to earn equity over time based off of what they do. And that's kind of how we structured it with Brian as well. And anyone else who works with us from here on out, it'll be they can earn 
equity and or stock in said company based off of performance. Now, in the past, we've also done things like profit share. And profit share is kind of cool because then if things don't work out, then you kind of go your separate ways and there isn't equity involved. And you haven't made these big payments or financial commitments. It's like if you make a profit, then you pay. But equity is kind of cool because you can bring on high-level people like Brian and pay them something, but you can give them a little bit of equity as well. And in fact, as I was just talking to Trey on a call literally in the middle of this podcast, Tara's outside waiting for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> There's a possibility he's going to help us create another software. Maybe we might pay him or he might help create it. But if you give him a little bit of equity, then you might be able to get people to do things for less. So it just kind of depends. There's all kinds of different ways you can structure things. There's something called phantom equity, which means they don't really get the equity until you go to sell the company. But I'm kind of a big fan of sharing a little bit of the pie. Now, I will say what I have learned from the past as well is probably don't want to just go in there, guns a-blazing, and be like, let's split everything equally and just all be friends and yada, yada, yada. No. At least in our situation, what we found and what we'll do from here on out is we own 100% of the company. People can earn equity based on a vesting schedule or a performance schedule or something that they do. And also, depending on with Millionaire University, for example, we believe that we can build a billion-dollar company. And I think it could be multiple billions. I don't want to scare Tara too much, but uh, <laughs> I think it could be multiple billion-dollar company. So we're not just going to go and commit to giving away 5, 10, 15% equity to any one specific person. That will be something that they can earn stock over time, like a little bit here, a little bit there, based on what they do. This is kind of like our life's work, essentially. We're going to commit the next 10 years to this. In a sense, we could build multiple businesses, and we're going to really focus on this. And we're putting a lot of time, money, energy, attention into it, not getting paid up front. So we're trying to hold on to that equity as much as we can. But the people who do get equity and assuming that we do get to a billion dollar company, essentially whatever value of the stock is today, it'll be worth 100 times that if and when it does become that billion dollar company. So there's huge upside, but we also want to be very careful because no one in the company also, they don't want us to give away that equity easily because then we won't be quite as motivated, just being honest. Just keep those things in mind. Like, don't just go up to someone and be like, hey, you want a partner? And let's go full in and 50-50 equity. And I guess unless they're bringing like half of everything, if they're putting up half the money, if they're doing half the work, if they're doing all the things, it could be a good learning experience. Partnerships are hard, but they can also be amazing. Sometimes you have different characters who fill different roles and it works really well. Sometimes you have a really strong business owner who is really good at leading. Sometimes you have people who have really strong strengths. It really kind of depends on your character, your personality, and your vision. But just know that relationships are challenging. You may go into business with your best friend that you think is the most amazing person in the whole world, in the whole planet. You've always had a blast together. And all of a sudden you start working together and you make money together. Things are always going to be challenging at some point because we're all human. So expect that. It's very normal. Just be like, oh, okay, we hit the point. Are we going to move through it and mature and change and evolve? Or are we going to shut down, lose the situation and change? And sometimes you do have to walk away from situations. Sometimes you have to fire people. Sometimes you have to renegotiate because it can be that way with some people who aren't willing to change and adapt. I think we'll do another episode where we talk just about partnerships. But essentially, the one thing I will say in regards to partnerships, for the most part, partnerships, if you're just, let's try this thing and you don't understand the roles and responsibilities, what the person brings to the table, it can get pretty challenging. But if you have someone who's bringing money and the other person's running the business and you can 
distribute equity very easily that way, then that can make a little more sense. But what I would say is if it's your idea, your money, your business, don't just go giving away equity. Make sure it's vested over time and people can earn that. Also speak to your attorney or accountant on how that is given. Because in some instances, giving people equity can be a taxable event, meaning that you might give them this equity that isn't even, they don't actually have the money and they have to go pay taxes on it, right? Mm -hmm. So there are ways to like figure that out, but that's a, more of an accounting attorney question. So yeah, I think that about covers it. Once again, all I would say is don't over worry about this. If you know your vision, you know what you want to accomplish, then you can figure those things out. I mean, I think this question came off of the episode that we did with Lenny, where he was struggling letting go of some of the responsibilities, some of the things he was doing, for example, delivering the scooters and making the jewelry, but something like that, like you don't need to overthink it. It's like, okay, I'm spending a lot of time driving around. I need to find someone who can help me deliver scooters. Mm -hmm. You can go on TaskRabbit, you can go on an app, or if you might just know someone who's willing to work for $20 an hour, $25 an hour, or maybe you pay them a little commission, like work out whatever makes sense for you. And then you can work out the details. And if you're nervous, try the easiest things first. What is the easiest thing that's the most simple for your brain to do? And you're just learning how to hire someone. Start with someone that's pretty simple that if they, if it doesn't work out, they can easily hire someone else. You can start simple and grow into more advanced hiring techniques. Absolutely. That's another point that we didn't mention. Whenever you're trying to think of what someone can do to help you, Think of the easiest tasks that take the most time because then from day one, those people will be effective in helping you grow your business. Mm -hmm. If it's really hard to train tasks that don't take a lot of time, you're going to be investing a lot of time and money for just a little bit of return. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another Millionaire University podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you are listening now. If you have yet to leave us a rating and review, that would be fantabulous. And be sure to go to millionaireuniversity.com slash training for your free business course. Get out there. Take some action where it counts. Well, hire some amazing people. They need you. You need them. But also one of the best things you can do, because people are always wanting to help other people and give to charity. One of the best things that you can do is to hire someone and pay them money for the hard work that they do. It's so true. Charity is great, don't get me wrong, but the importance of hiring and employing people is so underrated. Yes. It's so important. Yes, don't watch those Hallmark movies where they make the boss look like the bad guy. You are providing jobs and income for people, and that is incredible. It keeps the world functioning, the economy growing. Entrepreneurs are an important, integral part of society. And if you're concerned about the commitment, start with contractors, start with jobs, start with projects, and think of it in terms of paying monthly. If things don't work out at the beginning, then no harm, no foul. That's also partly why sometimes we like to bring someone in as an independent contractor at the beginning and then later on make them an employee. Having that been said, check the laws and rules wherever you live. I know some states are really cracking down on that. So it just depends how you go about it. And that's why we love Millionaire University, because you can learn so much from life. So no need to take a class about this. Just go do it. Hire someone. You'll learn as you go. Well. That's all we got for today. What do we got going on next time? We are going to talk about calendaring. Calendaring, so important. So important. It might even sound kind of boring, but every single person I've met who is really disorganized and not reaching their goals, a lot of times I ask, do you have a calendar or a calendaring system or a way of keeping track of the details that come up in every single day? And they'll be like, oh, not really. Oh. Without fail. 
Yes. Without fail. You cannot remember everything that's in your brain. So let's talk about calendaring. It's huge. So we will see you next time on the Millionaire University podcast. But until then... Class dismissed. Ha, ha, ha.